Welcome to Your Creativity, the podcast that keeps on doing something. But today, okay, I'm just apologizing first off because I have this sexy voice because of cold. And so I'm, I might be coughing throughout this podcast. And I've been sneezing all day, so hopefully that's stopped. But that's why I sound sexy. Well, I'm yeah. a little bummed because uh, that means I'm going to get sick, doesn't it? I mean, no, I'm staying away from I'm you. Standing yeah, right I'm, next to I'm staying guys. away from you. We'll stay away. But Thank our you. guest is amazing. So I'm really excited today to be interviewing John Apsey, who is, I consider, one of my friends. It's on, yeah. on every other day, I'm, I'm, we're friends. Dude, every, I think every third day, I think. That's uh, about it. Yeah. When the check clears, right? Exactly. <laughs> I've known you. For, I don't even know how long I've known you. Forever. I mean, like. 25, I mean, tw- seriously, like 25 years. You were there reporting at the Jazz when I was there, when I first started. That was forever ago. And I remember, I mean, because we were just talking about Greg Ostertag, and, and Greg started when I started, so you've been there R- Really? Yeah. That's when you started? Mm-hmm. Wow, I didn't. He, he came a year after I did. Wow, I didn't And I, and I still that. remember being out on, I was out at a Bees game. I was working the crowd, or I was working that game, and I was out in the field, and, and they announced Greg Ostertag out there. And I walked out with him so that everybody could see our new center. And I remember the first thing he said was about how I had to change my number from double zero. And I started laughing. I'm looking at him like, good luck. <laughs> and then me and him used to banter back and forth about who's going to change their number. But, you know, it, that was fun. It, so you won out. No. We, it was just it w- fun. But he was. Or it was a tie. It was a tie. I like the tie. He, he was a good guy. Yeah, so there's so many things that we can talk about. Actually, that is one of them. Um, like just you, maybe some of the players that you had misperceptions that you got to know through the years. And like I remember meeting Greg by you or from you. And I just remember Greg had like such an amazing heart. And not a lot of people have heard this story. But like he used to give me a ride from after the games to my car. And um, he would have this huge old Hummer, and it was like this gangster Hummer, um, like all camouflage. And I, I wouldn't even attempt to climb in. He would just have to lift me into his Hummer and then put me in. <laughs> but I remember going once with Kate, and um, and I look, and and Greg puts me in, but he was about to like put. He was like trying to figure out how to help up Katie. Like, Katie is also a little person, and he was like, Where do, I grab do, do I grab her? <laughs> do I, like, lift her up? And, I, and so, like, he was totally perplexed. And Katie, um, Katie's my business partner, but she was totally just, she was very stubborn on this particular night. and was like, oh, I got it, I got it. And I remember her getting into the, the Hummer afterwards, and she was just like, I think I pulled out my back. And um, But it was the most oh, hilarious, like, moment. So that's my moment with Greg, is that, Katie, like, totally um, being lifted into his, his Hummer. Dude, that is hilarious. Yeah, Greg was that kind of guy. Um, I just re- remember uh, how down-to-earth he was and just how approachable he was. And, um, I mean, hell, he came over to my first daughter or my oldest daughter's uh, uh, to the hospital when she was born. And then he showed up at all my other girls' birthday parties. And do you remember that big truck of his? Yeah. Remember it was like a, what, a 550? Yeah, seven figure me huge. It looked like a. Semi. I'm sure he lifted me up into that, that thing too. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he comes pulling in, and his truck takes up the whole driveway, and he's honking his horn. But it was, he was just a really, really nice guy, and uh, uh, I just feel bad because I think a lot of people just misunderstood, uh, or 
you know, didn't quite. I wish they would have gotten to know Greg. They would have loved Greg instead of razzed him. Absolutely. And I think that you had an amazing job because you got to see so many different like sides of people. But you actually were a huge part of the organization. Um, do you remember what are some of the things that you remember the most? Oh my like that are the most meaningful that you <laughs> that you introduced <clears throat> that I introduced or I mean just like I don't know I mean that's a big gap 25 years of and with my career is you know being the bear was there, there were so many things I was always involved in in really cool things so I, I really don't know I don't even know where to throw a dart how did you even begin to do all those ideas I, it just they just came to me I mean it, it's I just have a kind of a weird mind that way, and uh, um, I just think a little outside the box. I'm just a little kind of messed up, I guess, is really what it comes down to. Do <laughs> First off, though, Dylan, we need to talk about uh, Steve and okay. what he did for me when we had first met. Does anybody what know this? What did I do for you? Does anybody know this? I don't know. You were the little bear. <laughs> yeah, I, <don't. laughs> I was the little bear. <laughs> That was awesome. Dude, everybody loved Blue Bear. You, you, you'd come rolling out. Dude. It was so fun having Steve show up and he'd dress and go out on the court. And how many times did he do it? did it for a couple of years. Yeah, I don't know how many times. It was like, and then we did that video together. Remember? We did do a video together. And you I love Greg that. in the face. With that, I, one. that was one of my funniest videos that I remember. Yeah, I remember that one. Okay, that coffee is really good. I appreciate that. Well, and you know, the, the new Little Bear is much better than I am. Because I don't think I, I'm very talented, and, and oh. I'm definitely, like, very unmobile. So I was limping around, like, the whole time, and those suits are damn hot. Yeah. So, like, I just remember, like, just barely making it. So, yeah, I, I sucked. It, I'll be honest. No, you didn't suck. Everybody was just – everybody had their own unique abilities, and and uh, everybody was just different, you know, because I've had three, and Spencer Brown was one when he was, he was younger. Because after you left, we had a gap. And then I met Steve Brown's son, Spencer, and he was 10 years old and he could dunk the ball. And I was just like, <laughs> you want to be Little Bear? And he was like, and he was short. And, and I was, and he's like, yeah. So he was great. Um, and he was athletic, but it, it was hard because he was 10 and, and it, you couldn't leave him on his own. I could leave you by yourself. <laughs> you were, you know, so <laughs> that's not a good idea. Either. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, I mean, so it was not a little sure easier. That, that was a good thing. And then he grew up and went on to bigger, better things, and uh, he was amazing, though. But I remember he wanted to do everything I was doing, and he could do it, which was blowing me away. But then I was, like, looking at Steve, his dad, just like, uh, your son, I'm going to kill your son if he keeps doing everything. <laughs> because, not me personally. I mean, it's just like he's going to end up doing a handstand on a ladder and falling, or he's going to take the bike down the stairs. He, he was just so athletic. He was super athletic. But uh, And then after that was our current one, and I don't want to say his name because he's still in it, so. Yeah, but he's such, you know, he's a wuss. And it, because, like, I mean, you, like, you, like, paved the way for him. I mean, basically, yeah, he's he's a wuss. And I remember hanging with him once, and one of my friends didn't know who he was, and I was just egging him on. So I was like, just, funny. I was just like, you know, that new little bear is just such a, an amateur. Like, he doesn't know anything what he's doing. <laughs> and um, the meantime, the little bear was just, he didn't know how to respond to that. No, I'll tell you what, he is, he is uh, one of the nicest, most genuine guys I know, and, and uh, um, he just had surgery, and, he, and he's yeah. recovering from that, and uh, I just know that um, he really, really loves doing Little Bear, and that it means a ton to him, and, 
um, you know, I hope he can continue. Do you remember um, your so your background? It, I mean, it's not like you you were a mascot forever. No, I mean, I, I was going to college to be a, a polit- in political science and pre law, and uh, well, let me start over. So when I went to school, I started out with industrial engineering, and then I realized that I really suck at math. <laughs> so <laughs> I I really can I can talk my way out of a lot of stuff. So I was like, okay, let me see what where is there. What objective is the, the least amount of math? And it was political science. So that's how I started there. I think that's what I went into. But it's probably the same reason. Yeah. I sucked at math also. I was horrible at it. So. so I ended up there. And then, um, you know, through a few minor league teams, I ended up out here by chance. I, I got really lucky um, because it, it found me. I didn't really find it. It was kind of fun. You've probably told the story a few times. Tell us about the, the audition process. Um, when I got out here, there, uh, I, there was a gentleman by the name of Grant Harrison, and, and uh, our game. O- he was our director of game operations, and then there was Teresa Pryor. And I came out here. We had tryouts at Westminster. There were ten of us, and they had guys that were phenomenal. Like the the thing that helped me was the fact that all of those guys were exceptional, but exceptional at one thing. Does that make sense? They were either really good tumblers from ASU. Or there was Eli Akins who was, could jump out of the gym and he could hit the trampoline to grab the back of the backboard, the top of the backboard. But I was just okay at everything. And when we had tryouts, they gave us a list of five things that we needed to do, and I was the only one that really touched on all five. Is really how it came out. So I couldn't dunk that good. I couldn't tumble that good. I was, I just was okay, and it just, I got lucky. So. But I think we got lucky. Like, oh, it, too nice. Too so, nice. did you expect it to be very long term, or <laughs> no. what? Or so, were you like, did you have your bags packed to go? It just at any moment. Well, it's kind of funny because uh, I came out, did tryouts, you know, and and went home, and then they called me back for second tryouts. Went home, and I didn't call anybody, or I take that back. They all called me back, and I didn't call anybody, and I literally wouldn't have called anybody back. I'd have blown off the whole job process and getting hired. And then that's when Grant Harrison called me and was like, so what, did you take a job with the other teams? I'm like, no. And he's like, so what are you doing? I said, I don't know. So he asked me to come out. If he wouldn't have called that day, I wouldn't be out here. I mean, Grant was amazing. Plus, the, the, the how many years? He, he was my, my manager for uh, 18 years, maybe. I mean, he hired me. He took care of me. He showed me, you know how to lead people and, and how to treat people. And he, he was amazing. I, I love him and respect him like crazy. And, and uh, he helped me get to the program to where it is. But with coming out here is after, so after all that, I go back to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and um, I'm dating my wife, and I ask her to marry me. And she, before I left, and I, she says yes. And, I, and she's like, so, you know, but am I moving out with you now? And I said, nope. Stay here. I'll be back in a year. <laughs> so, so I literally moved out here thinking, uh, I'll try it for a year and I'll move home. But here I be, hanging out in Hatch Chocolate Factory, baby. So you talked her into moving after a year. Yep. Speaking of South Dakota, I went there on a trip last year. It, it's beautiful. It is. I love South Dakota. Yeah, we, we uh, went to Mount Rushmore and yep. um, all, all those places, and it was, it, it was nice. I didn't expect South Dakota, you know, nothing – you know, as someone from outside of there that's never been there before, I, I didn't know what to expect. Mm. 
and it it just blew me away. It was it, really cool. It's really pretty. The Black Hills and stuff out there are amazing. We actually there's a uh, group. It's called Trevor's Legacy Foundation. Um, that uh, there's a charity event. He he was killed by a drunk driver, and and they have a foundation for him. And and we go out to it's called Kadoka, South Dakota, a little teeny town, right on the bottom. I think it was at the northwest part of South Dakota. And uh, we always bring mascots and dunkers and all this stuff out there to, to help perform and, and try and raise money for this charity. And um, when we get there, I, we always stop and walk through the Black Hills and drive through. It's so pretty, like you said. I love Kadoka or South Dakota. I love Kadoka too. If anybody from Kadoka is listening, I love you guys too. But I'm just saying, it, it, South Dakota is awesome. We, my mom's our listener. Your mom. Oh, is that so? We're, hey, mom. So I mean, she may have driven through. <laughs> so South you guys Dakota. have a good following, is what you're saying. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, when you came out here, there wasn't even you had no job description. Nope. You created it. Yep. My favorite thing was when Grant Harrison looked at me and he, he goes, he goes, "Listen, I'm not the mascot. You are." And he goes, "You know, I'm going to give you enough rope to hang yourself. Just don't hang yourself. I'll never, I'll never forget that." So that was pretty cool. So thankfully, I never really hung myself. But you created a lot of programs, um, especially through the one year that you were here. Which one? <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying you, you thought you were only here a year, and you ended no. up how many years? 25. <clears throat> and, and so on that, what is, you did a ton of charitable work. Um, you, know, you know what? When I got out here, and it was a couple years in, I, I don't know how to explain it. I was like... I just felt so blessed with what I had uh, been given and the fact that I had a job that I loved so much and I just loved the fact that the fans took to the characters so much that you know I wanted to give back and that's how that all started and um, I remember I, I had a fight for it I mean I, I thought I was gonna lose my job back then because I was fighting so hard to do charity work and it's nobody's fault it's just that you know, in, in the sports industry and in this world, everybody wants an immediate return. They want to see, like, oh, look, if I go to a Chevron and I sit there for an hour, I get paid a thousand bucks. Well, here's your thousand bucks. You know what I mean? To where if I go and do a couple charities, there's there's really no financial return, but it, there is a return on the brand and being out giving back to the community. And it's it's a hard return for accountants to understand. Does that make sense? Where did that come from? That Was that all driven from you? What? Yeah, just that motivation to go do charities for yeah. the return from that? It was. And they finally let me do it, and I went out, and after that I was knocking out 250, 300 charity appearances a year. And then started uh, uh, the Bear Hugs Christmas and the Bear Hugs, well, the Christmas shop, which is now the Firemen and Friends for Kids Christmas shop, because I'm not the bear anymore. And then uh, we did uh, – um, why, why am I going blank? Oh, and then I just traveled around. Like there's a charity out in Minnesota that I've been doing for 22 years called the Tim Orth Foundation. And then I do the one up in Kadoka called the Trevor's Legacy Foundation. And then really what I loved the most was being able to find kids and families that were in need of just a break. They needed a moment. They needed – something to take their minds off of you know their child being sick or their mom being sick and it was so fun to be able to bring them to a game and give them an experience that nobody has ever been able to do you know what i mean that to, to be able to drag them out on the court 
and I had carte blanche. It was so fun to be able to just walk up and be like, hey, Carl, <laughs> this, is, this is little Billy. And he, they'd stop and talk, and we were out on the court. It, it was so fun, and that just really – after doing a couple of those, when you see a child show up, he looks miserable, and you know that he's fighting cancer or he's fighting some disease, and you take him out there, and you see him smiling and laughing, and you, you see him – for that while, forget about what's going on. The fact that he's looking right at John Stockton, Carl Malone, Greg Ostertag, Jeff Warnesick, you know, any of those guys. Uh, you cannot beat those moments. No, because I've been in the <laughs> I've been in that in that <laughs> shoe too. And I'm just like, yeah, it's totally so no, it I mean, so that's that's really the, the biggest part is is I really enjoyed uh, I really enjoyed just giving back. And I loved being able to create those moments that they normally would never get. How many experiences did you track it of how many kids you helped? Oh, man. I mean, like, in which way? <laughs> yeah, yeah um, or bringing to the games. I mean, you probably thousands. At least. I mean, because I was fortunate enough that they would let me have tickets, and then I could hand them out to different charity groups, or I could hand them out to I knew for a fact that this family, you know, hasn't ever been to a game or they, they can't afford a game or their child is sick, you know, and, and it was just an escape for them. And, and I loved – I always really loved the fact that the, the team supported me so much back in those days. So it was amazing. I think it's – you know, you were always incredible to so many people. But that's I, – I remember one time meeting you with at lunch, and um, I just remember it was with Frank Layden. And, um, I love Frank. But, but Frank talked about, like, how when he started coaching, you know, he ended up, like, just the love of doing charity and giving back to the community. Mm. Do you think that that was unique in Utah? Or do you think other organizations were always trying to give back just you know, as much? I think everybody wants to give back. Everybody wants to be part of the community. Um, but I think the, the fact that the old school, like, you know, the Frank Ladens and stuff like that and the Mark Eaton's, Thurl Bailey's, um, you know, all those guys, you know, I mean, Carl Malone, John, you know, all those guys did. They all gave back. Um, but I think we, we did it a little bit more than most. I, I think we were much more charitable than the, the rest of the league. I really believe that. And I think that's what stands out. And I think it's, you know, I don't know how you were talking about putting a monetary value on that. And I don't know that there is a way to put a monetary value on it. Nope. There, there, and you can't. I mean, and why would you? I mean, no. you, you got to put it on the fact that, you know, I just, you know, uh, when I was the bear, I just wanted to be, make a difference. I just wanted to make sure that in my whole goal in this world, and, you know, bear was a great vehicle for me, um, but I, I want to make sure that when I leave this world, I leave a footprint on this planet, and, and it's a good footprint, and when I die, I got a full church. And, and I just, and it sounds weird, but <laughs> I just, I just want to know I made a difference and that, that's all I really care about. I don't need to be a millionaire. I don't need to have a big house. I just want to know that I helped people. He, he, actually, I was reading, um, last night, that's Warren ba Buffett's like advice for success. It wasn't about like how much money you in, it's about how many people you've helped and that's how you measure success. I agree. That, that is success to me. And I, and I guess I never realized that because back when I was working, you know, I thought, oh, my success is, you know, making this character successful and, and, and making it go to another level. And I was making pretty decent money. And, 
And I thought, this is success. But what I was forgetting, and I didn't really realize it until I was let go, that uh, how much I sacrificed my family. And now, being able to reconnect with my kids and my wife and, and, you know, being home, it's like, oh, my hell, that, you know, success. My my job isn't going to be there when I die. And that money isn't coming with me. You know what I mean? And, but my family will be. And now I just love the fact that I can sit down, look at my girls, see how they've grown, and, you know, w- watch them, you know, uh, grow into lovely women. How many, how many children do you Three have? Three girls. All different. <laughs> do, do any of you guys got kids? I have a son. Okay. Well, when, are you going to have more? Um, probably not. Oh, come on, Dylan. <laughs> so I try. I, you're doing good. No, you keep trying. <laughs> Trying's fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I just think it's funny that, you know, Shauna and myself have raised girls, I, I mean, no different than each other. I mean, we raised Lexi the same way. We raised Sydney the same way as Alyssa. But all three are completely different. They have different personalities, different outlooks on life, and it's it still floors me that, that it can end up that way with with kids you know that they're all different mine's just like me which is scary that's a good thing dylan you're a good yeah. dude i like it yeah he's a he's a good kid so with your um your charity work you have a mascot ball is that a yearly thing uh, a couple yep. times a year so back in the day um when i was doing the the christmas shop uh i would always go to brian russell carmelone i mean all those guys they would just write me a five thousand dollar check and we had the christmas shop you know what i mean it, that's how giving they were back then. Well, then when, I mean, the league just changed. It's nobody's fault, but the league has kind of changed. And the league has kind of put their, they, they've separated the, the players from the fans. And they're not as approachable. I mean, a great example is back in the day when Frank Layden was coaching, you know, he always talked about how he would walk Mark Eaton when Mark Eaton came to the team down Main Street and be like, hey, come watch the big guy play. Um Coach, you know, Frank Layden would go out in the stands and talk to fans. Players would go sit in the stands and talk to fans. I mean, it was just a different world. And nowadays, it's, it's hard to be able to approach a player and talk to a player or get an autograph. And I think that's where the, you know, mascots came in is we were that in-between. You, you know, we were kind of part of the team or, you know, so much a pseudo part of the team. But we were approachable, and you could get stuff. And I don't remember what your question was. I don't know what tangent I was going on. Oh, I was just asking about Mascot Bowl. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so <laughs> those guys would pay for Mascot Bowl. And then when they left, and it was probably about 01 when the shift happened a little bit, and I, I wasn't able to get money as easily, and I, I had to come up with something. And in my head for years, I always wanted to do an event that was very fram- family-friendly and that anybody could go to. And uh, I finally was like, okay, I'm going to mix them. So I'm going to do this event. And it's going to raise money to take kids Christmas shopping. So for 25 years, when we were doing the Christmas shop, I had a great group of people. And then I had Brenda Hoskins, Andy Chud, Eldon Farnsworth, and Roxanne Hasegawa. Do you remember Roxy? Yeah, God, I love Roxy. I loved Roxy, yeah. And she, she passed away a number of years ago. Um, and then, you know, John Carpenter. And, and it's just we all came together and, and knocked out our first mascot bowl 18 years ago, I think it was. And we did it in Lehigh. I remember I approached Riverton High School and Jordan High School, and nobody wanted it because they didn't want us to wreck the field. Um, Lehigh said they would do it. Her name is Becky White. She was the uh, sports marketing teacher at the time and um, took it on, and she was amazing at it, and her class was amazing at it. 
and we would bring in 25 mascots. We had skydivers, fireworks, we had entertainment, and it was a blast. And I remember we started out, and it was maybe a couple thousand, and I thought, oh, it's going to be weak. And then by the, the last year that we did it in Lehigh, we had 9,500 people. So it kept growing after year after year. And uh, <clears throat> she retired, so then all of a sudden Mascot Bowl ended, and I had to find another school. And uh, Lynn Allred from Harriman High School, who's the uh, assistant vice or assistant principal, um, stepped up and said, hey, we would love to have it. And I'll tell you what, their, their, their student body officers were amazing. And the staff was amazing as well. It just everybody helped out, and they went into it blind. I could see it. I've done it for 18 years. But trying to tell somebody the enormity, the en is enormity, is that a word? Enormous? Enormous? The enormity? You can enormity. pretty much make up words. <laughs> I'm just going to make days. up a word, enormity. <laughs> <laughs> no, just how huge this event was. And you could see kind of the, the shock in their face and kind of a little bit of fear. But they took it on, and they killed it, and it was great. And we had a, an amazing year this year uh, out at Harriman, and we, we took uh, the money and took a bunch of Harriman kids and Mascot Miracle kids Christmas shopping. So every year we do it, and next year it's going to be bigger and better. We're going to raise more money to bring more kids because so, every dollar goes to the kids. So, I mean, we, you, know, we're, that, you know, that's the other thing with charities, which I'm trying to do is uh, there is, you know, I, I, it's called Working for Charities, and it's a, a little, I don't want to call it a company, but it's a, a group that I'm trying to start. And what I want to do is be an advocate for the little charities, you know. So we do uh, kind of a podcast like this, too, and, and it's on TV. It's with Trip Mitchell and Randall Carlisle, and we interview all the little charities in the state and get their name out there and uh, let them talk about their charity so that people can see it and hear about it and hopefully donate or help them out. Because the, the thing that I noticed in my 25 years of these charities would start up and they basically would fizzle out after three or four years, if that. And it was just because they didn't quite understand all the intricacies of a 501c3, how to do a gala, you know, how, how to create events to raise money. And, and they just would fade away. And um, the other thing that I hated is that everybody is so willing to throw money, and I don't mean to th knock on any of these charities. I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying, but like United Way or, you know, uh, Wounded Warrior Project or whatever. And I love Wounded Warrior Project because I love military guys. I was in the military. But when you look at those programs, you, you know, you're, you're talking maybe 50 to 60 cents on the dollar goes to the charity you know, or to the veterans or to the kids to where when you use a small charity like the one we do that you know that's called firemen and friends for kids 99 cents goes to the and, and the only reason i say 99 and it might be 99.5 is our only expense is at the end of the year we pay 500 dollars for the accountant otherwise every dollar goes towards the kids and there's so many charities out there that are like that where you're going to get more bang for your buck and those little charities are going to be able to utilize it and help way more people it, actually this is kind of cool how can so if people want to get involved and help you, how can they do it right now? Well, <laughs> is, is, there, is there a website or anything that you have for people to contact you? Yeah, I mean, like, we're, we're, we haven't fully kicked it off yet. We're, we're doing it February 3rd. Uh, it's called workingforcharities.com, and that's charities with an I-E-S. Um, but uh, we're going to kick off the website. We're gonna, we basically are putting together a networking group 
and we're going to invite all the charities together and we're going to uh, basically try and be a resource and support group for these charities that they can turn to. And, and the one thing is, so like 22 years ago, I started something called the uh, mascot conference. And it was because when I came in the league, everybody was really competitive. All the mascots, they, none of them talked. They, they didn't share ideas. So I thought, well, that's stupid, you know, because if I do yeah. a skit here and the gorilla copies it in Phoenix, nobody's going to know. And if he does something there and, and who I cares? copy it here, nobody's going to know. So I started this conference and five guys showed up. <laughs> like, but now it is like the must go to thing for any mascot and the other leagues all copied it. And now, and I started thinking about it. So I was like, why wouldn't that work with charities? You know, if, if you have a charity and, and like me, you know, I can say I got a small charity with firemen and friends for kids and there's four or five of us, you know, it's, it's hard to get some of those bigger events going and, and get things done. But now you start combining charities and you know, like you could ask me or I could ask you if you have a charity, I'd be like, Hey, do you happen to have any giveaway items or not giveaway, like auction items for this event we're doing? You might, you know, a lot of charities have stuff stashed waiting for the thing. Like, yeah, here you go. Then when you have yours, you can reach out to us or, you know, and I'll give you some items. Or you might have a whole list of volunteers and I could be like, listen, we need a volunteers for this, you know, uh, uh, epilepsy race, you know, and, and, you know, can we borrow some of your volunteers? And I think if everybody works together we can help each charity grow and get bigger instead of always being on the cusp of shutting down. I, I love that. I mean, talking about that, you've kind of been a pioneer in a lot of different things. Um, as far as like how many, you, you were in the mascot hall of fame. You basically, you're like, you are a freak of nature because like no. you've started so many different things. But was there somebody out there that like mentored you when you were when you were trying to figure out where you wanted to be in life? Everybody. Who 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 was your mentor? <clears throat> everybody. I mean, like how I where I was where I wanted to be in life. Yeah, everybody. I mean, because I never looked at. I mean, my mom and dad. Everybody says that. You know, I I love them. They were amazing. I I I have my temper like my dad. <laughs> Give you that, but mm -hmm. I. I just learned so much from everybody. I don't ever look at it as like that person is the person that I got the most out of. Um, because I look at, you know, over the years, I know I've taken some of you and put it in me. I, I, I really feel that I'm just a big old conglomeration of everybody that has passed through my life and has interacted with me. And um, I like to think that I've, I've taken the good things that I've really enjoyed about you and what you've done and what you were doing and the way you talk to people and the way you approach people. And I'm like, I like that. And I was like, I'm going to put that in me and, and try and, you know, emulate how nice you are to people. And so, I, I mean, I don't know if that's right or wrong. I don't know if it's, if it's weird, but I just, I, I really feel that so many people have helped me out in my life. And I've been so fortunate that way that, you know, I got to give everybody credit. So, I mean, it, it, this isn't, I'm, I'm not a one man band. I'm a kind of a, in the village <laughs> that's a good thing so so we we first wanted to interview you while you were still the bear and we were trying to figure out how to do that without me seeing you <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well that's shot uh, yeah and that uh, so <laughs> it's like, uh, that, it worked out that way but um 
you had a secret identity for a long time. What what was that like? Just sucked. I'm not gonna lie. It was horrible. I mean, I mean, back then it needed to happen. Um, it, uh, I don't know. I mean, to to have the anonymity. Somebody help me with that word. Anonymity. And anonymity. Anonymity. There we go. The anonymity. I remember back when I was a kid, I couldn't say aluminum. I would always say aluminum, but so I just ran into anonymity. Um, I called it tinfoil. Tinfoil. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's an easier way instead of trying to <laughs> drop double M's. I uh, I just liked it that way because I like being able to hang up my job and go home and be me. Um, I never liked uh, the way like when somebody found out who I was. I hated how they treated me different. That drove me nuts. I, I wanted people to like me for me, not for the character. Um, I, I, my identity wasn't the bear. My identity was John Abzi, and, and I, I hated the, the fact that, you know, when, when I'd show up to places, I'd, I couldn't talk to the people. I'd, you know, I'd stayed in the van. That's where I had Luke for. Luke was amazing. And, and he would go in, and he would arrange everything and just come out and give me the details. And, and it was so hard because I'm rolling into an event that I don't know what's going on. I haven't seen and I have to, you know, immediately, you know, figure out and react to what's going on. You know, just what he told me. You know, I might be blown into a, a school and, and there might be a gym full of kids or I might be blown into a classroom with sick kids. Or, and it's, it's like you walk in and there's that moment where I'm looking around like, okay, and I got to take it all in. And I either got to be really hyper or really mellow or I got to be athletic or I got to jump around or I'm, it's crazy. So you had to like take it in really quick and then I'd leave. And then, I don't know, I, I didn't really get to uh, be, I'm trying to think, like, I didn't really get to uh, create relationships with people um, because I was in the character. I, I, I like it now where I'm out and I can actually go over and talk to you, you know, and at an event. And, like, when we're doing Mascot Bowl, it was so nice to just be able to talk to the people that were showing up and not having to hide all the time. I hated that. I just... I was missing out because I, I feel like I'm kind of a social guy and, and to have to sit and hide, you know, in the back all the time and not talk to anybody was, was really hard. My brother-in-law worked at the stadium for many years, Bob. Um, what kind of a big Bob, big Bob Agard. Yeah. No, you're yeah. Bob's brother, brother-in-law. I'm, I married his sister. Dude, give me five. I love Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's awesome. And you almost took him out once or twice. Yeah, I think yeah. I broke his rib. Yeah, the, but the, was that with the sled? Nope, with the bike. Oh. I was coming down the stairs, <laughs> and I lost control because I, I hit. Because everybody would lean out, and I, and I had such a small, you know, there was such small room for air. Yeah. And I caught somebody's coat, and it turned my handlebar. And instead of going straight off the ramp, it took me off the side, and the handlebar caught Bob right in the rib and cracked his rib. And I crashed out on the floor and wrecked. So... But I felt way bad for Bob. That sucked. But I love Bob. Please tell Bob I said you, I. You oh, killed Bob almost. <laughs> I killed Bob. No, he was awesome. My favorite was, I'd always when we would do the signs, I'd walk out there and there were construction signs. Yeah. And <laughs> Bob probably doesn't want me saying this, but so I'd go over and you know there'd be the you know uh, it would say uh, uh, dip dip ahead you know dip ahead whatever and I'd set it by the refs and children at play and I'd put it by the visiting team you know so it was just these construction signs and he'd, he'd I had a little kid that would walk around with me and he would pose with the signs 
and I had I had one for Bob, and it said wide load, and, <laughs> and he'd stand behind him by his butt and hold it there. It was awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, he lo- he loved that job, and he always had good things to say uh, about yeah. Dude, he was he was salt of the earth. He was a good dude. I really love Bob. I really like Bob. I don't have to say loved, as in it was passed. I love you, Bob. He's <laughs> living in my basement currently. So nice. <laughs> um, what question do I have next? Wait, actually, what was the the most unique stunt you did? Because a lot of the mascots, I mean, copy you. You're like the the like the thing. <laughs> You're the thing. You're the, the shit. You're so wow. I mean, oh, you, did you, you, what did you just say? Yeah, I said I said you're the shit. Oh, wow, I this can, is an adult program. Yeah, it is. Well, <laughs> I mean, my mom's hearing it's not as good as it used to be. So, shit, chips. I mean, whatever. That works. I, I didn't realize I didn't realize this was an adult program. I'm, I'm a, I appreciate the coffee though. By the way, if anybody wants really good mocha coffee, it's cocoa with an espresso and it's over at Hatch uh, Chocolate. I'm giving you a plug. It's pretty Aww. dang good. I'm Thank not giving you. this up. Um, I don't know. What was your question? <laughs> what, what, was the, what was the hardest stunt you ever did? The hardest? Um, probably the bike. Well, I don't know. I mean, because there, there was one stunt where I had these 18-foot ladders, and I had a 20-foot beam, and I would get up on top of one ladder, and I would kick into a handstand and walk on my hands across this foot-and-a-half beam. And then all the way over to the other side, and then I'd backflip off. Didn't that scare the shit out of you? <laughs> I mean, because like oh, seriously, sure. now like we, br- we break because, it up, and now you just drop it. Because away. every the time, shit out of me just hearing about. <laughs> it. Well, every time you would do those stunts, I would freak out because <laughs> I'm just like, you are totally nuts. And like, I did it not freak you out? Were you not afraid? No, man. I, <clears throat> I would. Just, I was always afraid. I mean, there was fear, and if the. If I ever felt like eh, I don't have any fear in this, then I knew I was gonna something was gonna go wrong. Because, and anybody will tell you this: once you don't have fear, that's when something's gonna go wrong. Um, fear keeps you safe, makes you check things. But I, uh, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like I could barely do any of that stuff. Like when I would practice out of suit to do the handstand, you know, I could barely do it. I mean, because I was, it just didn't feel right. But when I got in that suit. Everything changed. Like I focused. I felt invincible, and there, I, I mean, because I never practiced hardly at all. And I, I've always my whole saying that I always said when people would ask is, I was like, "Listen, there's a one in a million chance that I'm going to wreck and hurt myself. And the more I practice, the closer to a million I get." And I go, "I don't want to get there." So I, I just gamed it. I really did. I mean, I don't know how many times. Like there, there was this one thing that I went in the back, and we I talked to the stunt team at the time. Um, our stunt team, by the way, is amazing. And I was talking to Dane, and he, he's on our stunt team, and he's hyper and crazy and, and willing to do anything. And I was like, listen, we're going to build a three-man tower, and I'm going to climb on top of this thing. And everybody's trying to figure out how to do it, and we're kind of practicing really quick in the back. And, like, literally, so we had, like, this big base of guys, and then we had three guys on top of them, and then three guys on top of them, and then, you know, I think it was two guys on top of them. And then I had to scale them and then get on top of the, you know, so we were probably 20 some feet in the air and I'd hold these signs up and we literally threw it together. And as we're, you know, trying to talk about it, the horn goes and we ran out and those guys were so talented and so good. And Dane did such a good job pulling everybody together. And I got to thank Summer Willis for letting us (laughs) do it because (laughs) she was willing to do it too. She was an, she's an amazing coach. I love her. And, um, 
we went out there and did it and crawled to the top. And it was just one of those things that if, if you can get out there and you just focus, you can do anything. So, and those guys were pros. So it was awesome. I mean, you know if that answered your question. No, Sometimes I love I that. Off, I Actually, that's good life lesson advice. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and what I really loved about that stunt was it was teamwork. It took, I had to trust the base and, you know, the top guys had to trust the guys under them and they had to trust the guys under them and I had to trust everybody. And it was, it was so fun because when you get done, you look at everybody and you're like, we did it, you know? Uh, another one that was really scary and it was with the stunt team as well is I, I had this, I think it was like 24 foot ladder or so and it was just a straight ladder because <clears throat> in my head, it, like you said, is, is all I ever wanted is I wanted to get out there and make sure that I made people feel uncomfortable. But like scared uncomfortable, not uncomfortable. Like, you know, no, I was freaking out <laughs> every time. I wanted him to freak out. So I had the stunt team basically just hold this ladder. There was no base to it or anything. They just held it. And I crawled on top of them and then crawled to the top. And I remember I got up there, and it was so high that it was swaying. And I could hear the fiberglass cracking underneath me. And I remember just going, oh, this is bad idea <laughs> and we never really practiced that either but i remember i got out there and, and i got down and the, the 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 fun part about doing things like that is in the back being able to hug everybody and everybody's excited because you pulled something off that you know nobody's done before i guarantee there's nobody that's done what we just did out of that court and we did it team effort it was fun all in it together that's probably a dumb question. Um, do you miss it? Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a dumb question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. No. I do miss it. I miss I miss the entertaining. Um, I miss uh, being able to interact with the fans. I miss my relationships out in the f crowd because I got to know so many people. You know, like Gory sitting in the front row. I'd hug him every game. and I mean, I just had my little thing that I did, and I, I got to know so many people, you know, uh, John Sudsbury used to s sit right there on the floor, and I would mess with him all the time. And you know, he's a he's a he's a he's a larger man, and and probably wears a three X shirt. And and I'd try and fit a small on him all the time, <laughs> and it was awesome. And he'd be willing to let me do it because he was such a good sport. And I mean, those are the things that I miss. And I miss feeling like I was part of you know the team. I, I mean, the team. And Jerry started this, Jerry Sloan, a long time ago. Back when uh, uh, I got there, he let me go into the locker room pregame, during the game, postgame to ice. I'd get therapy. The trainers would take care of me. I'd get the massage therapist. I'd get the chiropractor. I mean, he just let me feel like I was part of the team. And because of that, it motivated me and pushed me to want to do more to help the team. It made me feel like a sixth man, you know? And... Um, Quinn Snyder now, you know, he comes in and, and he said, you know what, if Jerry's going to let you do it, I'll let you do it. So it was really cool that way. And that is really what pushed me. Because if they treated me like some mascots get treated where you're just like, oh, you know, there's your area and don't stay over bug there. anybody. Yeah. Then you have no motivation. You're not part of anything. You're not part of a team. And I think that's why I like the military so much is that band of brothers. When I was in Desert Storm, you know, you you have to work together and you have to trust each other. And, and I love that aspect about humanity, you know, is, is, uh, you know, you, you have an obstacle and individually you might not be able to tackle it, but as a group, you can tackle it and keep on moving. 
where do you see yourself in five years? Sitting right here drinking cocoa and coffee with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm good with that. No, I just <clears throat> honestly, I I don't know. I mean, I, I'm really just happy because I, I never realized how busy I was and how stressed I was with everything until I got done. And I really enjoy just this kind of hanging out. <laughs> so you're like actually doing living life stuff. now. Well, I get to just do, I mean, I love just doing all the charity work that I've been able to help out with and work with a whole bunch of the different charities. And um, I got to thank Alinko Costumes. You know, they're, they're who I, I work with Alinko Costumes right now. And and they totally get it. And they totally are letting me continue doing all my charity stuff. I go in, I help them. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I kind of see hopefully that Working for charities will kick off, and 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 I, I hope that succeeds, and we can uh, grow these charities so that they're strong and and they can function better on their own. Um, that that's that's really what I see. I don't. I'm not one of those guys that sits down and is like, I'm gonna make a life plan and it's gonna be a million dollars or it's you know it's got to be this. I, I'm not driven that way. I'm I'm driven by moments. You know I. I love when somebody comes up to me and they're just like, hey, listen, <clears throat> this child, and it, it just happened the other day. This child, you know, he's, he's sick and, and we need to do something. And I was just like, well, I don't have my connections with the jazz anymore. They don't want to talk to me. So I basically was like, um, I'm going to call Jared Youngman over at the Grizzlies. And I said, Jared, I go, this young boy has been picked on. He's, you know, been bullied. And, and I go, we got to do something for him just to get his spirits up. I go, can you come meet the team? And Jared Youngman's like, Hell yes. Look at that. Adult show. You like <laughs> Look that? at you all grown Jerry up. Jerry Youngman was like, hell yes, you know, we, we'll do something. So uh, it was so fun to be able to just call Jared, and he helped me put a plan together. And now we're going to bring, you know, this boy to a game. He's going to meet the team, be able to hopefully drop the puck. And, and it's because of people like Jared, you know, people in the community that care, that want to make a difference and help create a moment for a child. I mean, those – those are the things that drive me that I just if I could do that every day oh my hell it would be an amazing life just knowing that you know you're helping somebody better to give than receive right isn't that what they say yeah no absolutely um I'm trying to think um come on Dylan uh, I think we've covered everything Hall of Fame um Uncle Bob. Uh, what what I actually yeah. think is remarkable is now you you are free to be you, um, and I think that it's kind of cool because I think that you're you are the what the bear was. You were the soul of the bear, and what I mean by that is I think that y nobody is like you, and nobody can ever come in and be the same as you are, um, and how much good that is to the community. The bear, what the bear represented to me was somebody that looked out for the, the little man or the underdog that was just treated everybody equal, um, but kind of kept and sheltered the, the people that maybe needed to be lifted up. That's what the bear represents for me. And, and I think that you do that. Like that is you, like your whole life um, is just lifting up other people. And I, I think that what's cool now is you don't have to sit in the van anymore. And you, and you can actually sit and talk <laughs> with the awesome. people. And yeah. I think that's what's amazing for me to see right now, what's exciting. Like, you smile all the time. And, and, and 
you know, I think that before it was hard to smile if you were just stuck in the van. And and I think that I think you're now free actually to be who you really are. Wow, that was pretty that, honestly that thank you. That was that was pretty deep. That kind of Thank you. I get deep I every that. now and then. I like that. I'm just like Once I'm a trying month. to absorb all that because that was very nice. <clears throat> I that being said, I honestly see so much that you've done for the community that is so amazing that I don't see that ever ending. And and I I know you have you have ADD forever and I just don't think you have all this built up <laughs> like energy inside of you that I think we as a state are a better state and a better community in Salt Lake because of people like you and because of you. Um, I don't see that ever ending. And so I think your terms are actually still ongoing. And so like ending it on your terms, I think you're still creating that. And I think that's your legacy and what you leave for people. How much did I owe you for that? It's it's just like a quarter. It's a quarter. You're making me feel all mushy inside. It's a quarter. Making me feel all mushy. No, you know, I appreciate that, Steve. Knowing you forever, and and I love you, and and I just, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people that um, help me do what I do. I I can't do all this on my own, and and that's my group and people like you. I mean, just everybody that I reach out to that says yes. You know what I mean? This, you know, and, and what we try to do um, to create those moments and those events wouldn't happen unless people cared. And y- you do run into those people that say no, and you move on. But you're going to find, you know, a lot more people that say yes because they have the heart and they care and they want to be involved and they want to make a difference. Yeah, going back to people getting in touch with you, say that website again. It's, and it's called like uh, if they want to help out with you. Oh, yeah, workingforcharities.com. IES on the end of charities, but we're going to kick it off February 3rd over at the Make-A-Wish house. Uh, we have an event where, like I said, we're going to have a networking event with all these charities and then we're going to bring in businesses and, and, uh, can I be one of the business? I would love the, for you one to of the there. businesses. No, I'm dead serious. I, I would love that because what I really want to try and do is, you know, you might find a charity that like, you know what? I, I like what you're doing. And I'll tell you what, when you, if you need a gift basket, w- we can give you a gift basket. I mean, those are the things that charities need, you know, to try and raise money. So that that would be huge. Plus, it would just be great to have you there, and I can hang out with you. I'm good with that. Perfect. No. Bringing Dylan along? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll, s- we'll see how I'm behaving that week. <laughs> Should we get to the bonus questions? Go for it. Bonus? I love bonus. This. Bonus round. For how much money? Uh, the coffers are empty right now, so... How about uh, coffee? Coffee. More man. coffee, yeah. I want another of this mocha. This thing's bad. This is crazy. You, you're you're right. This is a dessert. And it, it's kind of rich. You, you don't even rich. need the, the caffeine. Honestly, I think that your body is filled with caffeine. Oh, so you know, <laughs> I'm old, Steve. And I'll tell you what. I'm tired all the time. It's John, crazy. you're not old. You're like, what are you? You're 30? I mean, you started the bear thing when you were 10. <laughs> and so, <laughs> is like. just trying to get paid by me? I'm mean, seriously. Like, I'm going to start throwing you money. I'm 52, mister. 52? Yeah. So I'm old. I'm feeling old. How's well, you that? are bionic because, like, honestly, yeah, you're – yeah. My body is uh, – it's it's run its course. <laughs> it's like I've used it up. There's that one saying, what is it, when I slide into heaven – or when I go to heaven, I want to slide in with, like, torn up jeans, 
bruises or something like that, a coffee in one hand and a chocolate bar in the other, and it, it'd be like, woohoo, what a ride. Yeah, I'm there. I'm, I've got <laughs> all the injuries, and I'm beat up, baby. I've, I've definitely used my body. So <laughs> Time to turn it in. I'd like to get a new one. So first bonus question, where your creativity? So we're curious about your creativity. So what does creativity mean to you? Creativity to me is basically, I think if, when I think of creative stuff is it's not about being creative for me, it's being creative for somebody else. I want to make sure that, you know, if I'm going to be creative that it's going to benefit somebody or it's going to benefit us or it's creativity that all of us can do together. That's creativity to me. That's one of the best answer answers that? I've heard to that, yeah. Go. Next one's a lot funner. Who is your favorite Muppet and why? Wow, that's and that a good one. Sesame Street, um, Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, you know, anything Jim Henson created. So even Yoda. Kermit. Kermit? Yep. I mean, I guess, I mean, I don't even know where to go with that. I, I like Kermit just because he he was just such a good dude. I like Kermit. And he knew how to ride a bike, and I like that. Okay, wait. Actually, okay. (laughs) Not really a Muppet, but have you ever helped create a mascot with a Linko? Yeah. What do you mean? Like um, a character or like a new character or anything. What would be your ultimate mascot that you created? I don't know. I mean, I really don't. I mean, I guess... I'd, I'd like it to just, it'd be, a, a, I think if I did, it'd be a lot lot like the bear, a little bit. You know, I mean, we, there is a costume there that that was uh, that was made, and, and uh, it's a raccoon, and eh, it's okay. I mean, I, I like it, but, I mean, I, for 25 years, I was I was that bear, and, and it, it... You don't want to be the raccoon? I don't want to be the raccoon. I, it's, it's, I don't even really want to get in suit anymore. <laughs> I mean, I don't miss the suit. I don't miss sweating. I don't miss putting black on my face. I don't miss, you know, the... Uh, you know, not being able to breathe and and stinking and I don't know, so I don't I don't miss it. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, Hulu had a documentary series about mascots. It was on for a couple of seasons. Yeah, I think it was called Behind the Mask. Yeah, and it, it was really interesting because when, when we were trying to arrange the interview the first time, I watched that to kind of check it out, and it was they would like be done and they would just take it off and they would be just like these shriveled, sweaty, drenched beings. Yeah, it's you sweat a lot. I remember <laughs> you looked like a little raisin after every game. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 but I could eat anything I wanted. I'm telling you, man, I could burn off calories like crazy. I remember during the finals, um, I wanted to see how much I was sweating, so I took my shirts and I weighed them, and then I used them during the game because every time I'd come back off the court, I'd weigh them or change shirts so I'd stay dry, and uh, I weighed them at the end of the night, and it was almost nine pounds. Of sweat. Of sweat. And that's how <laughs> much you would sweat. Because, I mean, literally, every time I would take it off, it was just soaked. And I remember, this is no lie, I remember, you know, I had to start taking electrolyte pills, and I would take them all game long because there were times when I'd come rolling in in the back and at halftime and stuff like that and literally would almost fall over. I was spinning, my legs were rubbery, and it was just because I, my electrolytes were just whacked out because I'd been sweating everything out of me. So then I learned about electrolyte pills, and I started taking those the whole time and then drinking a ton of Gatorade and pounding waters and, you know. But, yeah, there were many a times that I, I screwed up. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get enough to drink, didn't have enough electrolytes, and I'd come in, and I felt so sick. Oh, it was horrible. But it was fun. 
And then lastly, in the movie of your life, who would you like to play you? Hmm. Harrison Ford. I like Harrison. He'd be cool. Plus, he's old like me, I guess. I don't know. Um, or maybe... Again, you're 30-something, yeah, so I wish, it's like... I wish. Or maybe Brad Pitt. You know, that'd be kind of fun. No. You know who I would? Because everybody says I look like him. What is it? Ernest P. Morgan, right? Or... You want Ernest to play you? <laughs> everybody says I look like him. <laughs> what the hell? Or the guy off of Dirty Jobs. I like him. Mike Rowe, right? Oh, uh, he was uh, a badass. Yeah, Mike Rowe would... Yeah, yeah, I love him. He's a good dude. I want him. I want him to be me. There we go. Mike Rowe. Well, thank you, John. Are you kidding me? Thank you, guys. Thanks for letting me come in. Thanks for buying me a coffee, you guys. And and uh, I uh, wish you the best on this podcast. And Thank you so much. No, thank you for all you continue to do for us oh, and for it. the community. So we, we really are a better state. So I'm glad that it, it didn't last just one year. Yeah. And it, it's kind of lasted <laughs> a few more years. Yeah, I seriously, I, I am a very, very blessed guy, and and uh, I, I really am. I mean, with my relationships and the people that are part of my life, like you guys, and I just, yeah, I cannot say enough about it. We'll continue to keep kicking ass. Booyah, booyah, woot woot, ass. There, I swore. <laughs> I think I think we all had to get swears in. So. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. The podcast is done, man. <laughs>